And now, on This Week in History, with Paul Waite. Yes, I am Paul Waite, and this is On This Week in History. I was just reminding Callum about how OCD I was. Um, <laughs> what, are you, like what are you sipping? Something like that. Coffee. Autistic, I'd say. Yeah, well, I, I, I think that's probably not, not yeah. a bad shout, to be honest. Anyway, so welcome to uh, this week's version of On This Week in History. Um, some, some, again, some good ones today. Maybe not as good as last week, which was a bit of a belter, I think. So going all the way back to 196 BC, uh, Ptolemy V ascended to the throne of mm. Egypt. Uh, and I think... Um, that uh, Cleopatra was in the Ptolemaic That's right, yeah. bloodline. Um, it's funny, when I was, uh, I'm not quite sure of this, my facts, I should perhaps have done some research. I, I've, I always got it in my mind that Ptolemy was something to do with Greece. That's right, they're actually a Greek bloodline. So it's funnily enough, they weren't Egyptian at all. They're from, um, yeah, they're descended from um, Alexander the Great's people. So anyway, so that's that's what happened in 196 BC. And of course, in, uh, in uh, England, we were busy running around in... Loincloths <laughs> or something. So it's Not even that. So quite staggering, really, to uh, to get your head round. I just I just realised that I've written I've written something down about fourteen eighty four. No no um, no facts against it at all. So that's quite. I wonder what Did that you was. know that in fourteen eighty four it was fourteen eighty four? There we go. That's that one. <laughs> yeah. So fourteen eighty four was uh, that was Henry the seventh, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm. Anyway. So we'll never know. I'll have, I'll, <laughs> next week, I'll tell you what actually should have happened on 1484, uh, because I'm a complete blockhead. Anyway, in 1306, Robert the Bruce was crowned Robert the First. Um, so when I was a little boy, many of you will know that I used to collect Ladybird books. So I had a Ladybird book on Robert the Bruce. Mm. And of course, um, in those days, we were taught... So I was being very naughty then. If I was Drew, I'd be very cross with me because mm-hmm. I wasn't looking at the camera. <laughs> so if you wanted to look at Paul's uh, back of his head, then Paul's doing doing a good job. Uh, we were taught all about Robert the Bruce being in a cave, um, being in despair and watching the spider weave his web. Um, we talked a, a bit, uh, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, about the fact that actually Robert the Bruce was quite duplicitous, uh, and certainly no friend of William Wallace, yep. um, and uh, had in fact fought for the British uh, against Wallace. Uh, but nonetheless, um, he's become a legend, uh, probably more famous than Wallace's, I guess, which um, isn't really fair, but that's just the way it is. Uh, 1599, Robert Devereux, um, who was uh, the Earl of Essex, um, who uh, was pr- almost certainly Elizabeth I's lover and favourite man of all time, I would say, um, became a very disaffected uh, former sort of favourite. Uh, he was made Lieutenant General of Ireland, uh, and I think I'm right in saying that he uh, committed treason against Elizabeth, uh, and I think he, he was actually executed mm-hmm. uh, just before James I became the king. But I, I will find that out for you listeners next week, okay? 1613, very interesting this. The very first English child born in Canada, Newfoundland, mm. to a guy called Nicholas Guy. I thought this was quite funny. I thought, well, surely it was Mrs. Guy. That, uh, so yeah. that just goes to show what a misogynistic world we live in. <laughs> uh, I, I just sat there, I thought, oh, funny. Uh, it's attributed to Nicholas Guy. Why, why didn't it no say Mary Guy woman, or, yeah. uh, or whatever, you know? Very, very old. It is strange, isn't it? 1713, uh, Spain loses Gibraltar and Menorca uh, under the Treaty of Utrecht to the to uh, Britain, effectively. Uh, of course... Great uh, Britain. <laughs> Great Britain and Northern Ireland, yes, to be precise. <laughs> or United Kingdom. The U- Royal Muni. The United Kingdom. Royal Muni. Uh, Gibraltar, of course, uh, I suppose to some extent quite controversially 
uh, remains part of uh, Britain to this day. Uh, Menorca, for whatever reason, uh, was handed back to the Spanish. Uh, 1790, uh, the modern shoelace. Um, I'm not quite sure what that says. I really ought to read right properly, don't you think? Then I've, if I'm going to do notes. The modern uh, shoelace. It's probably created. The modern shoelace with a something was patented in England by Harvey Kennedy. With those little mm. plastic bits on the end. Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was an egglet or something. An egglet or... Mm. Uh, anyone listening to this who's who's more intelligent than me... And <laughs> who's a shoesmith. ...so incompetent. I think um, what would be quite nice, Drew, is you need to look up on This Week in History for me... Yeah. ...and see what happened in 1484. Okay. So I literally have just written down 1484, and then there's absolutely nothing against it, which is quite hilarious, isn't it? So obviously something happened. End of the anyway, I can't. I really can't be bothered to do anymore. So uh, that is that is bring us to the end of the first section session. Even on this week in history, I hadn't turned my knobs up again. And talking about that, in comes Callum. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, so good with it. I heard him banging up the stairs like a playful, Back from like a playful Bambi that he is. Oh. Ah, so in anyway, in 1484, uh, William Caxton printed the translation, uh, printed a translation of Aesop's Fables. Ah. Um, I actually remember sitting on my dear mama's uh, knee uh, when I was four or five, and she used to read Aesop's Fables to me. So it was uh, quite an early, uh, I, uh, my early uh, sort of thoughts about being educated are all to do with Br'er Rabbit and Aesop's Fables. Uh, so this could be could be a lot worse. Yeah, definitely. So there we are. So welcome back, Callum. Uh, 1866, you're going to like this one. <laughs> Andrew Rankin patented the urinal. Oh, thank you. Uh, before thank that, you. nobody went to the toilet. No. Yeah. So people used to die because they were so full of... Full of liquid and... P and P. And feces. And they couldn't do anything and then it just exploded. Yeah. Yeah. Nasty way to go. Didn't, didn't, it wasn't <laughs> great for uh, wedding nights. No. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with that. Uh, God. Next God, fact, next God fact. Help me. <laughs> Uh, 1867, a very proud, very proud fact. The British Parliament abolished the slave trade. Mm. Um, I think it had been, for about 30 years before, it had been illegal uh, to sell people or something. I can't remember. Somehow. So we, we did <laughs> so the, 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 the first bit. Uh, the first bit of the sort of legislation had been in, in, in place for quite some time, but this is now, uh, you know, like definitively, you can't do anything whatsoever to so do. So you could with, have slaves, but not sell slaves, or buy them. Uh, maybe I can't. Yeah, like I think you could, they could work or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Uh, 1871. The first. This is. I, I find this quite hard to believe, even with the times. In 1871, the first international rugby union match was played, and the score was Scotland one, England nil. <laughs> So one presumes in those days you've just got one point for scoring something, and, wow. and that's all. I wonder if that was a try or a penalty or what. Yeah, well, who knows? Imagine yeah. what that game would have looked like back then. Sounds wow. very boring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, rugby was so completely. I mean, even in, even you know in the sixties, mm. you know, rugby. You watch a sixties match; it's completely very different, different to um, to what's going on today. Uh, in eighteen hundred and seventy-six, this is this is going to get you going, Callum. Longest ever boxing championship fight. How many rounds do you think? It was probably Jack Johnson. I don't know who it was. I just know how many, how many rounds it was. Um, maybe like 100 rounds or something. 136. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine fighting 136 rounds? Just, uh... I imagine. I reckon it was Jack Johnson. Oh, uh, I missed one. Uh, this, is, this is something I'm quite interested in. Uh, 1859, the first supposed sighting of Vulcan. Oh, okay. Do you yeah. know what Vulcan is supposed to be or is? Um, it's either a planet or a moon. I can't remember. 
Is it real or isn't it real or what? Do you know? Any ideas? Any thoughts on this? Well, obviously we're not talking about the Star Trek Vulcan. It's Trekkie fans out there. This um, is a planet. Yeah, yeah. Which um, is twinned with Romulus. Mm, that's it. No, that's it, yeah. <laughs> For all you Trekkies out there, you know what we're on about. Um, I don't know much about it. No, I knew that it was a planet or a moon in real life. Yes, for, so for centuries, um, it was thought that there was a planet inside Mercury, closer to the sun than Mercury was. Wow. And it was called Vulcan. Mm. So they, they were so convinced, astronomers, that they that for some reason there was, must be you know, some perceived mm. gravitational pull or something. Something like that, yeah. Um, maybe because Mercury shows the same side to the, the sun all the time. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Know One that. third of the Mercury is always never dark. looks at the sun. Right, yeah. Um, and, and so I think it's true to say that Venus is hotter than Mercury. I think that's a fact. There, 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 there. there you are, people. Probably. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we bring you we bring you some good stuff, don't we? So, of course, Vulcan uh, didn't exist. So it was perceived... Fictional. To, so this, this astronomer thought he saw it, but he didn't. So it was obviously proven later that it didn't, in fact, exist. So, 1895, the Italians invaded Abyssinia. Do you know okay. what country Abyssinia now is? You say the Italians invaded hmm. it? Abyssinia. Oh, um, I don't know, maybe like Egypt or Greece? Ethiopia. Ethiopia, ah, okay. Yeah, so uh, Abyssinia was obviously synonymous with Haile Selassie, who effectively all the Rastas mm. uh, follow, if you like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, so even now, if you look at, um, you probably heard of one of the greatest runners of all time, Gabriel Selassie. I've heard of him, yeah. Yeah, he's a absolute genius runner. So, yeah, the Italians, and of course, this persisted, the Italians were still in Abyssinia in World War II. Mm. Uh, so this, this carried on for many, many years. Uh, 1923, Britain gives Transjordan autonomy. So, of course, going back to this period of history, uh, Britain very, very dominant in uh, the Middle East. Uh, the dominant power, we talked last week about... Uh, Egypt only becoming an independent country in 1923, I think it was. So Transjordan is actually what uh, Jordan used to be called. Mm. Um, Transjordan obviously dominated by Britain. And in fact, the Queen of um, Jordan up until very recently, I think she left and she, she fled. Uh, she was um, Queen oh, Noor, yeah. was actually a British subject. Mm. Um, so uh, final, final, uh, final fact on this part today is uh, 1938... Uh, this is very interesting, this, what well, it is for me. Um, 97th Grand National, uh, and a 17-year-old jockey called Bruce Hobbs uh, rode the winner called uh, Battleship at 40 to 1. Uh, and, it's, and it's interesting for a number of reasons, probably not to you listeners, but it is to me. Uh, something I've known probably nearly about all my life because I've been interested in horse racing. Um, and Battleship was a very small horse. I think he might have been the smallest horse ever to win the Grand National. Uh, and it was just one of these things that was in one of the comics, comics that I read at the time. So, it was, uh, and, and interestingly, just to pass on some advice, uh, Bruce Hobbs went on to become uh, a top flat racehorse trainer, um, and uh, the trainer of a horse called Viel, um, which nearly, which actually is a single reason why I don't gamble anymore, uh, other than when I go to the track. Mm. So, one particular day, this is when I was working in William Hills in Canton in Cardiff. Uh, the it was the Lancashire Oaks, uh, and um, this was a horse I really love called VL, trained by Bruce Hobbs, uh, and I put fifty pounds on this horse to win because I was certain it was going to win, uh, and it was ten to I can even remember the odds. It was eleven to ten on, and it lost by a short head to a horse called Sun Princess, trained by Dick Hearn and ridden by Willie Carson. Not that I've remembered, yeah, never yeah. left me. This has, yeah, yeah. and uh, it, it would be like. Um, 
me, well, I don't know, it would be like losing more than £10,000 today. I mean, yeah. it was, you know, uh, and, and, and it was just such a wake-up call. Fortunately, I used to do um, 12, I think it was, 12 football homes. Mm. Uh, so on the very same day, I had I picked out 12 f- football teams to win at home, uh, listened to the results at 9.30, and they all won. Yeah. <laughs> so I lost 50 quid and won 49 quid on the same day. Wow. And, 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 That's and, so and, jammy. And I, I had the common sense to realize that i had a problem if you like mm. yeah you know, i shouldn't have been doing that so i've i've never done it to this day so there yeah, we are yeah, that's little cute. little lesson for you so um moving on wonderful wonderful song from you two new year's bringing day. you the news of old on this week in history with paul waite i am paul waite and welcome back to the final session of on this week in history today mm. Having given you a very deep gambling tip, so uh, my advice to people now is only gamble what you can afford to lose. So that's what I do now. Mm. Um, so if I go to the races, I'll take three hundred pound cash, uh, and if I was to lose that, which I never have, as it turns <laughs> out, you hear it. Uh, then um, you know it's not the end of the world to me. Mm. But a I lot of do. people don't know when to stop, do they? No, it's, it's quite you, sad. You hear of people you know. going to like Las Vegas and they've never gambled before in their life, and then they get drunk and they just like get and no, go blow all ridiculous. their life's savings and that. Anyway, 1914, the first successful non-blood transfusion in Brussels. Non-direct blood transfusions. That means uh, blood from another person other than giving it to yourself. Right. Um, So uh, that was obviously quite a definitive moment in world history. Mm. Uh, 1933, uh, polythene was discovered by Gibson and Fawcett. Oh, it's annoying, that is. Why is that? It's just an annoying thing, isn't it, polythene? Do you think? Yeah. yeah. It'd be interesting to see what the world would be like without polythene. <laughs> <laughs> what would the world be like without polythene? Yeah, well, it's not really the most interesting thing. Yeah, it'd be a lot cleaner, yeah. Uh, 1958, uh, Bridge on the River Kwai wins uh, Oscar for the best film. Mm. Um, so, um, Yeah. Um, so, uh, immortally, uh, so the the the, um, the leader of the, the the commandant of the camp in uh, uh, in the film was played by Alec Guinness. Of course, he went on to be Obi Wan Kenobi. Mm, um, gave, I think, he won the best Oscar. Absolutely amazing performance. Um, I think the thing that uh, is amazing when you I've watched the bridge because uh, being OCD, I've probably watched it about twenty times. Um, and of course, he. He, he he ends up the, the whole point of the character is he's a very decent honorable man and he he actually sort of loses the plot and he gets confused between uh sort of his his duty in terms of building the railway for the japanese and the fact that he's supposed to be a british mm. officer opposing them you know and so he he actually becomes in the in the film a sort of an almost unhelpful character gets a backdrop of william holden for instance who's the american who is full-blown um you know, trying to trying to disrupt the Japanese. So, if you haven't watched the film, watch it because it's freaking brilliant. I tell you, um, nineteen hundred and sixty-seven. Uh, just just put this in because it was relevant to. Uh, played this song many many times. Uh, nineteen sixty-seven. The Turtles Happy Together reached number one. Ah, you like the Turtles? I do. Yeah, Happy Together. together. So where is the weather? Ba, 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 ba. Yeah, just just for, I want you all to sing this to me today, yeah. listeners. I'm H-A-P-P-Y, I'm H-A-P-P-Y, I know I am, I'm sure I am. H-A-P-P-Y. Yeah, because <laughs> if we were all H-A-P-P-Y, wouldn't the world be a better place? 1971, Bangladesh declared independence from Pakistan. Um, I think at that point it was uh, referred to as East Pakistan. 
Um, very interesting, this. Uh, I think Callum knows a bit about this about uh, this uh, region more than I do. Uh, I don't quite understand why two Muslim uh, regions, mm. if you like, you know, East Pakistan and Pakistan, hate each other as much. I mean, from what I know, Bangladesh people would prefer India over Pakistan. Yeah. That's, that's, how, yeah. that's, how I, that's what I think is true. I know that um, Pakistanis really... Obviously, I'm, I'm speaking generally, but I'd like to test Indians and Bangladeshis a lot. Yeah, yeah it's very odd. Really isn't it? to test them. So we'll find out why. Um, and the last one today, um, I didn't know this, uh, and I, I, I have for some time, if I had to say I supported anyone, uh, I support the New England Patriots. I used to, su- I used to support uh, the F- San Francisco 49ers, mm. uh, probably until I was about 40. Uh, I used to be a quarterback called Joe Montana. Uh, it's a wonderful name. Just love the kit, everything about them. They were a really good team. Uh, but for quite some time now, certainly um, I've got the name of him now, Tom Brady, uh, most successful quarterback in American history, seven uh, seven uh, Super Bowls. Um, left the Patriots. What, uh, I think he was the oldest quarterback to play in the Super Bowl final, as it was. And he's gone on. I can't remember what team he moved to. And, of course, in his first season, uh, he took them into the Super Bowl and they won as massive underdogs in the final. So Tom Brady, um, the Wayne Gretzky of American football, in my opinion. So the Boston Patriots became the New England Patriots in 1971. So I say, didn't know that. So there we are. Hope you enjoyed uh, the history today. Aspen Weight Radio Podcasts. Download at aspenweightradio.com or subscribe on iTunes, Spotify or Google Podcasts.